Hello, everyone, and welcome to Celtic Preacher Podcast 98. Today, we find the disciples, Jesus, Jesus students, being very defensive. Yeah, they're, they're defensive and they are feeling a little vulnerable today, which, of course, is the perfect opportunity for Jesus to use this time where they feel particularly defensive, he uses it as an, opportun- an opportunity to give them insight into themselves, which is, of course, what he does with us, right? He always uses the disciples as their starting point, but of course, it's not really just about the disciples, it's about us. Yeah, Jesus likes to take common everyday encounters, things like feeling vulnerable or being defensive to show us a little bit more about ourselves and give us another way to live. So we're looking at a passage in Mark 10 today and the disciples are, I guess they're they're defensive because they feel like, oh, it's just been a bad week, really has been a bad week or two for them. It all started off when what they classify as a complete and utter failure of a mission. Remember, they're learning how to follow Christ, right? They're learning how to walk in this new way and live into this new way of being in the world. We call that following Christ. And after a certain point, these students go out on their own to try out all these uh, wisdom teachings that Jesus has given them just like we do, really, right? Where we try things out. It's like, okay, Jesus teaches me how to forgive. Okay, well, I think I'll try this out. How easy is this? Not, <laughs> by the way. But anyway, the, they're off on their own. So they've known Jesus for some time and they go out on a mission and it's a total failure as far as they're concerned. They come back to Jesus, and the gist of the story is a man brought his son to them to be healed. He wasn't healed. The man goes to Jesus and says, look, I took my son to your students, hopeless, he's still sick. Jesus heals the boy, everybody goes home, and the disciples ask, well, why couldn't we help him? I mean, why couldn't we heal this boy? And Jesus tells them that for this particular type of healing, prayer was required. Now, obviously, they do lots of praying, but this must be at a different level of prayer, a different level of understanding is needed for this particular type of healing. So it sounds like in some ways they're not really spiritually prepared. They attempt to do something in their own strength, but they failed, right? Not, not too difficult to relate to, right? It's like you, you, you go after something, you attempt to do something, but you're not really quite prepared. But you attempt it anyway, and if it, it doesn't work. So that's what's happened to these students of Jesus. So they're coming back from this mission, and then they feel like, you know, they've, they've failed, obviously, in some way. Then after that, we looked at this text last week. There was a big fight between the, 
between them all about who was the greatest. And Jesus catches them fighting. It was another sort of embarrassing moment. So they, they have this mission that's failed. Then they start to fight and bicker about pecking orders. And Jesus listens to them and actually hears them fight, asks them what they're fighting about. That was another embarrassment. And so they're not in the best of moods, right? <laughs> this is a chronological account here. So they're not in the best of moods. So you know what happens when you've had a few bad days in a row, right? You know what happens when you feel like you failed at something and then you've been in an argument with someone and, yeah, things just bug you more. You can be more vulnerable. You're a little bit more easily threatened. You're a little bit more defensive. Yeah, insecurity is a common, common thing, isn't it? Not just for the disciples, but down throughout the ages, it's easy to have days where you feel a bit inadequate, a bit insecure. For whatever reason, you feel a bit of a failure. And I think it happens at every single uh, time in our lives, you know, even from, from childhood. You know, it's the child that can't get on the team or can't get into the choir or can't get that part in the play or... It's the teenager who can't seem to find a boyfriend or a girlfriend. Everyone else has a boyfriend. Everyone else has a girlfriend. How come I can't find one? How come nobody wants me? Yeah, you feel a little bit insecure. Or the college graduate who's trained for the job and can't really find a job, can't really find a good job. Feel a bit of a failure. Or the parent who their child isn't quite making it in some way, they're not really very happy, they're struggling, and she starts to think, well, maybe, maybe my parenting skills, if my parenting skills would be better, maybe if, you know, you feel a little bit hesitant, a little bit insecure, or the main provider of the household can't bring in enough money. Or maybe there's enough, but you're always sort of struggling. Yeah, you can easily feel a bit insecure there, can't you? So it's really common at every single age because there's always someone else who's smarter. There's always someone else who's richer or prettier or more skillful or more creative. You name it, whatever, however you define success. There's always someone who's doing better. Well, these disciples are certainly feeling that way in our text this morning. And what really happens is that they come across a man who's being, uh, having a, an incredibly successful outreach ministry, what we would call an outreach ministry. People are being healed. Lives are being changed. He's going out. He's... Uh, doing all sorts of amazing things and they hear about him and they see what, what's going on and they're, they're, it really kind of bugs them. I mean, who is he? Who is this man who's having all this success? We don't even know him. All sorts of amazing things are happening. Lives are being changed. Healings, miracles. In fact, this man that they hear about is doing the very things that the disciples had recently had trouble with. 
But what really irritates the disciples is he's not a part of their group. He's not one of the 12. He's just some stranger who's taken on this idea of going out and doing ministry and healing and talking about Jesus and teaching about Jesus. And it's like the disciples are like, well, who does he think he is? He's taken our jobs. We don't know this guy. He never checked in with us. We don't know what credentials he has. Who is he? And it bothers them, and it bothers them a lot. And so we're going to pick up the story here. They say to Jesus in verse 38, Teacher, and it's a complaint, Teacher, Rabbi, we saw a man driving out demons in your name, and we told him to stop because he's not one of us. Now, of course, we have to have a a little pause here on demons. Uh, The ancient world attributed, remember, it's 2,000 years ago, ancient culture. The ancient world attributed many things to demonic activity. So if there was a severe sickness, it was demons. If there was uh, any kind of mental illness or any kind of uh, oppression of any, it's evil forces oppressing people. This was the worldview, and it was the way they framed things. They wouldn't say, you know, somebody's got some mental illness or someone has some virus or disease. I mean, these, these things weren't a part of their vocabulary nor their understanding. So everything was attributed to evil forces for the most part, especially things that they didn't understand, things that were frightening to them in some way. Teacher, we saw a man driving out demons in your your name and we told him to stop because he's not one of us. So they're threatened by his ministry. He's healing He's helping, he's restoring, he is delivering people from all sorts of suffering. Well, we don't like it, they're saying, because he never asked for our permission. We don't care for him, we don't like him, and he needs to stop doing what he's doing. (laughs) So, right, I mean, you can't help but wonder, is there a little bit of jealousy here? Is there a little bit of competition Uh, especially on the heels of their recently failed mission? Uh, I think so. I think so. And of course, Jesus sees this defensiveness in his students. And he has a great line, and it's a good line for us too. He says, whoever is not against us is for us. It's like disciples, students. He's doing good. He's helping in his own way. Leave him alone, Jesus is saying. Leave him alone. Comparisons, you know, comparisons never lead to helpful places. Kind of a painful lesson. But comparisons never lead to helpful places. And of course, it needn't be in the area of somebody else's ministry. It can be anything. It could be work-related. You could compare spouses. You could compare income. You could compare children. You could compare creativity, gifts. 
You could compare family life. How come they have it so easy and we're struggling? How come you have that house to live in and we have this one? Uh, clothes, toys, cars. There's endless things that we can become insecure about. Lots of different things. And the, the disciples here are defensive about someone else's success in ministry and outreach and healing. Teacher, we try to stop them. Jesus says, don't stop them. Don't stop them. Leave them alone. It's like, mind your own business, disciples. It's like, disciples, you're, you're competing with them. Whoever is not against us is for us. Look, he's doing good in his own way. Maybe he never checked in with you. Maybe you don't know him. But look at the fruit in his life. He's, he's doing good. He's bringing healing to broken people. No, you don't know him. But in his own way, he's doing good. So leave him alone. Leave him alone. It's like disciples, stop trying to control everything. Stop trying to control everything. Don't let your insecurities inform you. Don't let your insecurities guide you. Take the lead. You're supposed to be following me, not your defensiveness, right? Not your defensiveness. Recognize, it's almost like a red flag. It's like recognize when you're feeling defensive. Recognize it. Little bit self-awareness, pausing, stopping before you tell before you try and shut this guy down. <laughs> yeah, the default is to be led by our insecurities. The default is to be led by our defensiveness in this case. You know, it's it's what we do best because it's a natural reaction, and Jesus is saying, no, 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 we're not going to live the life of competition here. We're not going to be looking over the fence at what someone else is doing or what someone else has. We're not living this way, disciples. Leave them alone. We've seen this so often, haven't we, that Jesus always questions our first natural reactions. Those questions, it's like, take a moment, step back. When you feel inadequate, stop. When you feel threatened, stop. When you feel like a failure, stop. Invisible, insignificant. All these things are spiritual red flags. Opportunities, really. Opportunities for growth. Can be, right? Can be opportunities for growth. And for the disciples, it's like Jesus is saying, disciples, you've got to learn how to mind your own business. You don't have time for comparing. You're not called to compete. You're called to faithfulness. You're called to faithfulness. Whoever is not against us is for us. You're called to faithfulness. Faithfulness. Life is about being faithful to God. So it's like, <laughs> keep your eyes on 
Jesus, which means you be about the business that you've been called to do. It's a great reminder, really. It's a great reminder. Yeah, whoever is not against us, leave them alone. You be faithful to what you've been called to do. That's what it looks like to fix your eyes on Jesus. We're not concentrating on our failures, our inadequacies. We're not looking at other people. We are, it's like, okay, God, what is my task here? And what am I called to do at this point in my life? What am I called to do at this point in my life? When I prayerfully consider my days, my life, what should I be about at this time? And that's going to be very different for each one of us, isn't it? Because for some of us, we're going to say, at this point in my life, I want to look after my baby. Or, at this point in my life, I want to dedicate myself to nursing my sick spouse. Or, at this point in my life, I... I just want to, I, I want to, I found the one that I want to spend the rest of my life with. I want to get to know her. I want to get to spend time with her. I want to be with him and learn about him because I think he's the one. And that's what, I, that's what's really captured my heart at this moment in time. I want to be, I want to build this relationship Yeah, you see, callings, they don't have to be massively life, world-changing things. It's about being faithful to where you are at this point in your life. You know, you're prayerfully considering something where you work, if you work, why you do the things you do, or or why you're pursuing a particular kind of work rather than looking around and, and, and thinking about other people. Oh, well, how come he can open his second business? I, I don't even, I'm not even out of debt in my first business yet. Jesus would say, that's, that's nothing to do with you. That's nothing. You come and follow me. You be faithful in what you have been called to do at this time. What's your sense of direction? What do you think you should be about? You know, it could be something like, it could be anything. I just want to write a mystery novel. That's what I want to do. I want to write a mystery novel. I feel that this is where my gifts lie. Uh, This is what gives me joy. This is what I, I delight in. I think other people would, I get joy from this when it's finished. Okay, good, that's great. That's your calling then be about that business. That's what faithful living looks like, whatever it would be. And then others, whatever they decide, Jesus is saying, look, if they're not actively coming against you, if they're going about their business, doing good in the world in the way that they've been called to give, then leave them alone. And you keep your eyes on me. See, there's the prayer. There's the heart cry. Because it's about being faithful 
to what we've been called to do at this time. And you know what I found is, is when you have a sense of calling, now I'm using the term calling, I'm, I'm using that in a, a so that sounds like a very biblical uh, term, doesn't it? But really, to have a calling is really about being in sync with your desires and your heart and doing what you think needs to be done at this time. I mean, that's really what it is. It's sort of a prayerful consideration at this point in my life. This is what brings me joy. This is what helps other people. This is what I want to be about. That's, that's a calling. Parenting's a calling. Grandparenting's a calling. Anything to do with other people that helps other people is a calling. And it's much bigger than that, too. I mean, you could be a songwriter. That would be a wonderful calling. That blesses many, many people, right? As well as yourself. So it's about being true to what you've been called to do rather than look over the fence at someone else. And there's our prayer. There's our heart cry, God, help me. Just like you help the disciples, your first students, help me to be true to what you have called me to do today. Help me to be true and faithful to what you have called me to do. Well, thank you for joining me. You have been listening to Celtic Preacher. Join with me again next week for another episode.